Welcome to another episode of the Life Plus God podcast, everybody. My name is Alyssa Robinson, your host, and today, Reverend Gracie's back with us. Hello, Gracie. Hello. So glad that you're here. And our question is, when did Jesus's teachings get weird? And... <laughs> when did they I, not? <laughs> I know. I asked... So my dad this morning, you know, he's in... Uh, avid listener to the podcast. Uh, hello, Dad. So he asked, he was like, So, what are y'all talking about today? And I was like, Oh, like, when did Jesus' teachings get weird? And he was like, uh, They're Always. all kind of weird, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, Fair. just to clarify, so the way that we're approaching this episode is I think that. Uh, as Christ followers, and if you're someone like me or like Gracie, where we are constantly in the church, we're constantly studying Jesus, sometimes we read Jesus's teachings and stories so often that we stop realizing how radical and unique and out of the ordinary they yeah. are. And Jesus had some really weird things to say. So you could argue his entirety of his teachings and being was weird and right. outside of the ordinary. Countercultural. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's kind of the whole point. Right, right? exactly. But today, what I want to focus on, are there's some individual elements of sure. Jesus's life that I'm like, okay, this is even out of character for Jesus. Yeah, like, this, this seems... is out of the ordinary yeah. for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so those were some of the stories that I wanted to focus on today to figure out what can we learn from these? Like what, is there some sort of interpretation that we may be missing or mm. I don't know. Cause a lot of these stories we're going to hit today we don't talk about a lot mm -hmm. in our um, teachings around Jesus. We we lean more into the parables, mm -hmm. uh, but some of these are just, I'm just going to jump right in. Yeah, go for it. I'm going to list out all of the things that we're going to talk about today okay. at a high level, and then we'll dig into each of them individually. Sounds good. So uh, one of the stories we're going to talk about is Jesus cursing a fig tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very random. It comes out of nowhere. And I don't really understand. Like he was mad that this tree wasn't producing fruit and he cursed it and it died. I imagine like this lightning bolt coming down There's from heaven and just like kind of it, deflates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second one is Jesus pulling a coin, telling his disciples to pull a coin out of a fish's mouth and pay mm. their taxes with that coin. Mm. And so it's like, the disciples are like, how are we supposed to pay our taxes? And Jesus is like, oh, go catch a fish and then pull a coin out of its mouth. And I'm like, mm, okay. Uh, interesting. Can we not just, is there a reason? Yeah. Mm, can we not just pay the one from my pocket? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one that we're going to talk about is Jesus uh, transferring demons from people into pigs mm -hmm. and then those pigs running off a cliff. Yep. So that's a very uh, interesting story that yeah. Peter might have some yeah. words about. Honestly, yeah. Um, Jesus's rampage in overturning tables in the temple. Now, yeah. this is one that we do talk about, uh, talk about a lot in the church as an example of righteous anger. Right. But it is so counter to Jesus's character in literally every other story. Like it's, we don't yeah. see him throw temper tantrums. Yeah. And this is it's a the Jesus most violent. Tantrum. Yes. I guess you yes. see Jesus. And mm -hmm. then, uh, 
One that we're going to cover is Jesus explaining the purpose of his Mm -hmm. parables, why he speaks in parables, which I'm not even going to give you a preview into that because I want y'all to listen in because it might not be the answer that you think. And then, um, why is Jesus like spitting on blind people all the time? Like using his spit to heal. Come on. (laughs) Gotta be a better way. Why did it have to, yeah. Why did it have to be spit? Cause I have like a weird ick about spit. Like I hate it. Like I can't, sometimes I get a gag reflex from brushing my own teeth (gasps) because I hate like the spit in my mouth. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So like just the idea of Jesus like spitting on his hands and putting them on my face. I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I'll just stay blind. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I'm okay with that. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of information yeah. we're going to cover. And yeah. I hope that y'all will stick with us because I think that these are really fun stories to explore. They're weird. They're unique. You don't hear about them often from the pulpit. Yeah. So let's do it. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Where do we want to start? Fig tree? Sure. Okay. All Give right. us. Can you read us that scripture? And sure. Let me go to it. Get us started here. So a lot of these are found in multiple gospels, um, and I, I wrote them down for my own edification. Um, so this one I'll be reading from Mark eleven. Curses the fig tree. So it's Mark eleven, starting in verse twelve. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see whether it perhaps whether perhaps he would find anything on it when he came to it he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs he said to it may no one ever eat fruit from you again and his disciples heard it all right and then the tree was just um and then do we know what like what happened to the tree or is it well so interesting that we can go to the cleansing the temple one next because immediately after jesus cleanses the temple that's the next verses and then after he cleanses the temple um they pass by uh start in verse 20 says in the morning as they passed by they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots and then peter remembered and said to him rabbi look the fig tree you cursed has withered jesus answered them have faith in god truly i tell you if you say to this mountain be taken up and thrown in the see and if you do not doubt in your heart but believe that what you say will come to pass it will be done for you so i tell you whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it for it will be yours i guess one of my first questions why did jesus expect Hmm. to find fruit on a fig tree when it specifically told us Says, in scripture, yeah. it's not the season for fruit. Yeah. Um, so the only thing I kind of found around that was that it's literally, literally the words are um, the time for figs, that it was not the time for figs and kind of in parentheses um, or a time appointed for figs. And it's like appointed by God. Um is kind of the implied implied to be there of so it's literally um not the time appointed by God for figs um so i would think that this has more to do with like the symbolic mm. um thing of that Jesus is frustrated that um 
he's ready or he feels ready for to lead um or maybe not even that he feels ready but he's frustrated that um it's not the time yet where he will be um will he where he will get to be raised but the people are not uh are not fruitful people yet they don't fully believe in him yet like all of Jerusalem um so it's like it's not yet the time appointed for him to be quote unquote installed as king um so i think he maybe is maybe is taking out his frustration of being like, oh, and it's not the time for the figs to be fruitful either. I'm just so frustrated. And like, so it's, it could be a symbolic thing Mm. about. See, that's one of the things that I've read is Mm -hmm. that some people interpret it um, as Jesus, like you said, Jesus's expectation for spiritual fruitfulness in people and mm-hmm. then finding that there is no fruit. Right. And while that is a beautiful image, right. usually in the Gospels, Jesus is very clear when he's speaking in metaphor mm-hmm. or when he is speaking in stories yeah. or parables or trying to make a comparison for us. Mm-hmm. And this is not one of those times that right. he does he that. Say. It just kind of happens. And then it's not until after uh, he's overturning tables in the temple that we come back and see that the fig tree has died. And so like, I understand us wanting to put that interpretation on it, but mm-hmm. it feels like a little bit of a stretch to me. Hmm. Um, but if it's not that, then what, you know? Right. Is it just like, if it's not the, um, just, if it's not the symbolic thing, um, I could see it still be Je- being Jesus's frustration of he's knows what's about to happen to him. He has entered into, this is immediately following his entrance into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry of what, of course we know it's him entering in on a donkey and, um, what is about to happen to him his last week. And so I could see it as him, like, it's like one more thing that mm-hmm. like, he's like, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and that's where I think is like, I think one of the things it reveals there's so much in the last week of Jesus's life that reveals his humanity mm-hmm. in a new way. Cause a yeah. lot of what we see of Jesus is the divine mm-hmm. Jesus, but mm-hmm. I feel like we're given insight into his humanity in mm-hmm. so many different ways. And this might be one of the ways that we never thought of mm-hmm. before of like, I think of when in real life, when you see a grown-up temper tantrum, someone gets really upset. People who are just being unreasonable to servers mm. or hospitality sure. workers or, or things like that and throwing a temper tantrum, one of the things I've learned is it's rarely ever actually about the thing they're upset about, right? right? Yeah. It's like, you never know what's going on in this person's life, what they're dealing with personally, right. what grief they're processing, what right. things have gone wrong, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things. And yeah. that's what I think of it is with Jesus is like, man, there's a lot weighing heavily on him right. this so it's like, week. Like wrong he place, can wrong kind time. Of see the writing on the wall right. of what's going to be happening in yeah. the next few days. And he's like, all I wanted was a piece of fruit. Yeah. He's like, like I you- can't even have a snack. I can't even have a snack. Right. Like, it, it yeah. just, and so for me, it, it makes more sense to me for this to be like revealing a piece of his human character sure. than trying to 
pull like this huge spiritual symbolism out of it that I don't know, but I, I get the symbolism in retrospect. It, it kind of, it can make sense with the symbolism when you follow it with the cleansing of the temple too, because it's um, two things that are supposed to be fruitful that are not. Um, And so there could be some purpose there of like, just putting them back, having that back to back of saying like, look uh, like, cause Mark does that kind of um, even with the, we'll get to the, the blind man um, that that's a, that like putting that where that's structured in the story is very uh, purposeful yeah. um, when you see where else it's around. Um, but something I saw is that there is, uh, reference to fruitless fig trees in Jeremiah. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's in Jeremiah eight thirteen that the fruitless fig tree is an indictment of Israel's leaders. Um, oh. So that they they what? Okay. Yeah. Maybe I should take back everything that well, I said. But you and didn't. Say it is symbolic. Sure. I mean, it's just more examples of Jesus fulfilling prophecy. Right. Right. So it's God. Uh, kind of condemning uh, Israel's leaders. I just want to see what it it says exactly in 813. Um, When I wanted to gather them, says the Lord, there are no grapes on the vine nor figs on the fig tree, even when the leaves are withered and what I gave them has passed away from them. So anyway, so God is talking about um, Israel's leaders. Yeah. Okay. Then that makes it really interesting. Let's jump to the overturning of the table. So straight from the fig tree, he walks into this temple, which is full of spiritual leaders. Yeah. And like maybe, and I'm just going to like make up my own narrative here. Maybe Jesus walked into the temple hoping for rest, hoping for a moment of spiritual Hmm. renewal hoping for respite from every, all of the, because that's oftentimes why we walk into a sanctuary is if we're feeling overwhelmed by the Mm -hmm. world around us and that there are things that we can't overcome in this world on our own, we walk into a sanctuary looking for a place to find rest. And instead what he found were salespeople hawking their wares. Mm -hmm. And so that, paired with the fig tree Mm -hmm. starts to make more sense to me Mm -hmm. of. Huh. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Oh yeah. No, (laughs) it's, it is like when you put it all together, um, that he's like hoping to find fruit and it's Mm -hmm. not there. Yeah. And that, um, and then afterwards he walks out and the fig tree that he didn't find fruit on is dead. Yeah. What is that? It's almost like foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, so he and the temple would have been really packed at this time now because it's Passover. So specifically at this time of year, there would be a lot of people visiting the temple um, even more than normal, um, like an extraordinary amount of people. Um, so to see this, what there's what is supposed to be a holy and um, just a uh, spiritual experience for people is being turned into uh is it's being taken away their worship is 
being overshadowed by um, guilt and money of like, hey, you need to like, don't you want to have the best sacrifice like here mm-hmm. or like I'll exchange this for your tax and like charge them an extra like exorbitant amount of cha- um, rate change or whatever. Um, so here. So I, I get all of that. So what I don't understand is. Well, I guess I do understand if I'm leaning into the humanity of Jesus, but why he specifically reacted that way now, Mm. because he's been seeing that his entire ministry, he's been dining with tax collectors who are taking advantage of communities. He's been calling out Pharisees and Sadducees for uh, basically religious Mm -hmm. legalism, as opposed to actually trying to learn the heart of God Mm -hmm. and share God's love with people. Um, So he's been seeing this all along. Mm. Why react in such a violent way Mm. of literally flipping people's tables and destroying Mm. property Mm. um, in this situation? Yeah. Um, I feel like, I mean, my best thought would be, again, that it's like come to this breaking point of Jesus knows this is his last week. Um, I had it up to here with you guys. Literally. Yeah. No, actually. um, And to kind of uh, draw a really physical attention to and like show a very physical way of um, what he's been trying to teach this whole time of like trying to get their attention of like, is I have been saying this all along and I cannot believe that you are, um, you have been getting frustrated at me for not taking the law seriously when I'm showing people mercy and now here you are taking the tax, the taxes seriously, but not taking showing mercy. Like you're, you're missing the point of what the temple is supposed to be. And here you've been mad at me thinking I'm missing the point um, of this faith. And now, so now he's literally, I think he's trying to draw their attention of like, do you see what, this place has become, this is a temple of God. Like this is supposed to be a house of prayer. Do you see the mess that is here? Like, how did it get to this point where you are literally taking advantage of people and they're, and you're caring more about money than people here um, in God's house? How, like, how did it get to this point? So that to me, that's kind of like what struck me of this is that he's really like, like wanting them to take a, like that this is the like most violent, Mm -hmm. I guess, most physical uh, demonstration that Mm -hmm. Jesus is like, how have you gotten here? Well, that's almost like um, what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said is that riots are the language of the oppressed. Mm. And it's not that like you've done everything that you've possibly could Mm -hmm. until this point to peacefully communicate and Mm -hmm. collaborate and Mm -hmm. bring people in on this message and you're not hearing it. You're willfully ignoring and misinterpreting the things that I'm saying. And there's no words left for me to say. There's only like, how can I get your attention anymore? And it kind of makes me wonder, like, is this ironically the nail in the coffin for him. I mean, of like what for led him to yeah. the cross of not to say that if he hadn't acted that way, it wouldn't have happened, but right. like it definitely armed the Pharisees oh, that yeah. were coming after him and wanted him gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think I think that's basically basically it. Um, so I wonder, is this an example of because I do struggle with the concept of like, oh, this is what uh, righteous anger looks like. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're learning from this, or is this an example of us seeing like? Jesus's human nature mm. stepping in or is it divine still like I you don't know, know. yeah like no this, co- this part confuses me it, that's a really fair question of is is this something where we're supposed to follow in his example um but it's, I mean there are definitely strong lines that tie to today and what sure. we see happening in churches today and yeah. prophets mattering more than people mm-hmm. and we see people being taken advantage of and all sorts of stuff. From yeah. The, I mean, Jesus would be turning over tables today. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. And so that's what I, I, I kept coming back to when I was thinking about this passage of that Jesus, like more than any other topic, Jesus continually talks about people's love of money um, and like, compare and over any other topic over sex over divorce over any literally anything that we spend so much time being legalistic about but Jesus always is is so concerned about people knowing because he knows that people love money but you cannot love God and money and so um I think this is Jesus I think it speaks to us definitely today of saying like we as religious leaders, as any community leaders need to be able to take a step back and see, are we still doing what we came here to do or has money gotten in the way? Mm. Has money infiltrated and have we um, like take a step back for a second and can we see like, is this, are we taking, are we somehow accidentally have we lost sight of what originally we came here to do, which the temple is supposed to be a place of worship. It's supposed to be a place where people come and be with God. Mm -hmm. Um, And somehow, like, I don't think it's not something they one day decided, but it's like slowly they all, all of a sudden, like um, ended up with um, having these, money changers in the temple, having these people sell their, they probably thought this was a helpful thing. And then this is Jesus being like, no, no, no. Remember why you're really here. Like I've been trying to tell you all along what the purpose is and show you and teach you. But like now I just need to get your attention. Yeah. So it feels to me as though like the weirdness of this, uh, interaction with Jesus because it is so out of character is exactly the reason why we need to pay extremely close Mm. attention to it. Yeah. Um, It's not just like random. Oh, Jesus lost his cool. You know, like it's, it's like the culmination of like, this is everything wrong. This is everything that's wrong. Everything that I've been trying to teach you against everything I've been trying to warn you against Mm -hmm. is happening right here and now in front of my eyes. Yes. If this is not a new teaching, for Jesus. This yeah. is just taken to the next level of I've been saying this all along. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you don't get it. Okay, so money. Yeah. Pulling a coin out of a sure. fish's mouth. Yeah, let's, let's jump around it. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you can you read me this story okay. and tell me what it means? <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. Okay. So that's the end of Matthew 17. So it's Matthew 17, 24. 
When they reached Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, yes, he does. And when he came home, Jesus spoke of it first, asking, what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tribute? From their children or from others? When Peter said, from others, Jesus said to him, then the children are free. However, so that we do not give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a coin. Take that and give it to them for you and me. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Does that, how is that not clear? <laughs> is that, okay. What, so what is the, the theological view of okay. that little story and yeah. event? So this is actually very similar to another teaching Jesus has in Matthew about um, when it's pay to Caesar, what is owed to Caesar. Um, when he, somebody asked him like, um, you know, should we not pay our taxes? And so anyway, um, Jesus is teaching in that instance about the um, pay to Caesar, what's owed to Caesar. Um, it's his face on the coin. Um, Jesus is drawing attention to um, that the things of the earth, sure, Caesar can have that, but the people really belong to God. Um Caesar wants money. Okay, fine. He can have money, but the people are not Caesars. The people belong to God. Peter correctly identifies that the king collects tribute from his own subjects, not others. Um, so Jesus is trying to get Peter to recognize that all of the disciples, that uh, the Jewish people first and foremost belong to God, not um, the, the temple leaders, the God is not asking for a temple tax. The temple leaders are asking for the temple tax. Um, they, as people who belong to God, um, are free. Um, that's what Jesus says is that, um, the children are free. Um, you as a child of God do not owe God anything. Um, it's the temple leaders who are um, require, who are asking for this. So yeah, go ahead and you, yeah, we'll pay the temple tax um, just so that they say, you know, we're, we won't get in trouble, but um, that he, has nothing to do with your relationship with God. Right. It's not like if you don't have enough money, mm -hmm. you can't get close to God. Right. Right. And so Jesus is like kind of saying like, yeah, okay, we'll pay the tax, but we'll show them. But I'm doing it in a way. But it's going to smell like fish. It's going <laughs> to smell like fish. That's true. That I didn't even think of that okay, part. But, but that what I, is what is the fish part, though? Like, that, why is there a symbolism well, there? To me, what I kind of where I was, my line of thinking went was that he's he's like, yeah, okay, I'll pay the tax, but I'm still showing you who's really in charge and who's really has power. And it's me, not you, mm. um, that I can, I can conjure a coin from a fish in the middle of the sea. Um, but yeah, I'll pay the tax. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pay the tax, but it's just, it's miraculous. I am the one who's in control, not you. It's kind of, I feel like we all have these moments as we're, uh, 
growing up, entering the world after like being in the safety net of our homes and suddenly we're living on our own, we're paying our bills, we're doing our own thing. I feel like all of us at one point, the thought crosses our mind of like, money is so silly. Like, mm-hmm. what is the point? It's just a piece of paper. Yeah, it has no I, value. Yeah, yeah, it has no value except that we give it value. And right. some people will be like, oh, it's backed by gold. Not anymore. Right. Not anymore. It hasn't yeah, been backed no. by gold in a long time. Right, so it's right. basically just, we say this piece of paper has value. Right, yeah. And so go collect that piece of paper. Right, yeah. Um, so it, it's... It, almost feels to me like Jesus is trying to emphasize the silliness of mm-hmm. money. Yeah. Of like, this is meaningless. Yeah. God sure, does they not want care these about shiny this. little bits of metal. Give them their shiny metal. Right. Whatever. Exactly. Like, he, yes. No, I think that's exactly it. He's like, God has not required this of you. God is not, uh, you know, demanding this from you. <laughs> yeah. Cause sometimes when I read like the messages that Jesus is sending and the way that he's teaching, I like to read it as if he's a sarcastic teenager. Oh, for sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. It was like, Jesus is so sarcastic. Yeah, whatever, dude, like go grab a fish and pull the coin out of the fish's mouth. It's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it, oh, I do wonder, like, is pulling the coin out of the fish's mouth uh, considered one of Jesus's miracles? Um, I don't know. Because uh, I guess he, we don't actually see him do it. Um, he just, like, kind of tells him to do it. So we don't, but I, I mean, maybe it is considered. Yeah. I'm not sure, actually, off the top yeah. of my head. I think your interpretation of the meaning behind that makes a lot of sense to me because I've all, I was also reading like some theologians uh, interpret it as like the provision of God of like mm. God will provide to okay. you no yeah. matter what. And so like go pull a fish out of the sea and that fish will have a coin in it and sure. like you'll be surprised by the ways that God provides sure which like I get sure but yeah. I also I really like the thought of like this money is meaningless sure if they want money give them the money yeah and That's it's just fine emphasizing yes like you are this has nothing sh- to do with your your yeah the way this is God loves you exactly yeah. like God as a child of God you are free yeah you are not um this is by Again, like showing the distance of the temple leaders from who God is. Yeah. So how far they've gotten. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to another animal. All right. Pigs. Yeah. I love the, <laughs> these transitions. They're so I smooth. Know, I know. I'm really going for it today. Um, okay. What is this story of Jesus uh, moving de- demons, like casting demons out of people and putting them into like a herd of pigs Mm -hmm. so at the end of matthew chapter 8 starting in verse 28 when he came to the other side to the country of the gadarenes two demoniacs coming out of the tombs met him they were so fierce that no one could pass that way suddenly they shouted what have you to do with the son with us son of god have you come here to torment us before the time Now a large herd of swine was feeding at some distance from them. The demons begged him, if you cast us out, send us into the herd of swine. And he said to them, go. So they came out and entered the swine. And suddenly the whole herd rushed into down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the water. The swine herds ran off and and on going into the town, they told the whole story about what had happened to the demoniacs. 
Then the whole town came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their neighborhood. So, um, so Jesus sends demons, evil spirits, whatever you want to call them, out of people into pigs. That doesn't seem very animal friendly. <laughs> As somebody who like loves animals, it's like, oh, that I don't, Wilbur. I don't love that. I know a little <laughs> like they don't know. But um, one thing I, I kind of saw that it was like that demons or that Jesus essentially um, is sending the demons back where they belong, which is like into the abyss. Mm -hmm. They don't belong in people. Um, well, also, wasn't it um, a, a Jewish belief maybe i think it still is Jewish belief that swine is unclean yes it's an unclean yes, animal exactly yes so while we may love pigs and think they're cute that yes in jewish tradition pigs were unclean this is also the land where they were um is also thought to be gentile land um then we have then you involve demons and then you involve so you have gentile land demons pigs and tombs, all things that are really unclean, or like unclean, uh, not favorable. Um, so you have all of those elements and which and Jesus um, is able to perform a miracle with all of these unclean elements involved. Um, so it just like even draws more attention to Jesus's power, um, because right before this, Jesus has healed people um, who have asked for healing. And then Jesus stills the storm. That's actually um, when it says when he came to the other side, that's like them from getting on the boat where he has stilled the storm. So now he so he has uh, power over sickness and power over nature. And now he has power over the supernatural, too. Um, so it's kind of like building up and showing this um wow, there is no limit to Jesus's power that it's not even just in Jewish lands. It's not even when people ask for it specifically, because something I didn't notice is that the demon, the, like the people who are possessed by the demons don't ask for a exorcism. Jesus just does it. So it's like, there is well, I thought that they said, like, if you cast us out, cast us into pigs. The, yeah, so. the demons ask. Oh. It. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't know if you want to, yeah, like semantics, but like, so even, so it just like shows the, um, like, there is no limit mm -hmm. or prediction to what Jesus will do. I too. do totally want to get into the demon thing. So. Okay. Yeah. Let's go for it. <laughs> um, do demonic possession. Yeah. I have weird feelings about it. No. I know that there's a lot of really? people who... <laughs> does that surprise you? Um, does anybody have not weird feelings about well, it? Well, I mean, there are people who oh, I believe guess, okay, I get really it. strongly in no, I get, that like, demons okay, I get, exist. No, I get what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah so yeah. like, okay. okay. So I, I hear this story of like, uh, people are possessed by demons. Mm -hmm. Jesus casts the demons out of the people into the pigs. But like a big question for me is what is the deal with all this demonic possession mm -hmm. and like the transfer of spirit and mm -hmm. all of this, this stuff? Because like, I think that a lot of people will say demonic possession still happens today. Mm -hmm. 
I think that we have medically explained a lot of things mm-hmm. like that. Like I've always wondered about, okay, things that people saw of as demonic possession. Could it have actually been schizophrenia? Sure. Could yeah. it have actually have been bipolar disorder? Right. Could it like, there's so many different, or it could have even been like a brain bacteria. Right. Like you don't know. Right. And we have so many medical things yeah. now that we can see, oh, this behavior 200 years ago, would have been classified as demonic possession. Sure. Yeah. But now we can see there's a diagnosis yeah. with it and yeah. some of it is treatable. Right. Um, so I wonder about like this whole idea mm-hmm. of demons and that Jesus is casting out demons, but mm-hmm. like if there are slash were demons, right. couldn't he have had the power to just like get rid of them entirely? Or right. is it that demons are going to exist? It's just where are they going to exist? Like, right. So that's a lot. That is a lot. And yeah. That I did not prepare you for. <laughs> I don't have a angelology uh, yeah. the- theology. I'm just curious, but- like, what are your thoughts on the demons and it can be from a personal perspective or if you know the Methodist theology, uh, but like this understanding of Jesus casting out Mm -hmm. demons and moving them from one being to another being. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I personally do also have a hard time with this because I know and have seen people with different mental disorders that definitely would have been classified as demon possession. So it's hard for me to say what, uh, whether demons, uh, whether it's demons or, um, a disorder, if, if they're different, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not, um, versed in that. And, you know, the Bible does not actually give us a lot about like what to think about it. Um, so I can only speak from looking at this story written in the first century that that's like all they could come up with of like that. This is that, I mean, we can't explain why this person is acting so strangely. Um, so uncontrollably, um, we have to attribute it to, it must be demon possession. It must be an evil spirit. Um, so that's the only way I can speak to it. And that, um, Jesus, um, yeah, I, I mean, all, all of Jesus's conversations with the evil spirits, with demons throughout scripture, it, those make me uncomfortable because I'm like, how is he conversing with these spirits? And like, yeah. um, but um, what I, I think it's whether it historically happened or not of like, th- there were truly literally demons um, that Jesus spoke these words to or not. This story is trying to communicate that Jesus um has the power over everything Mm -hmm. um that even that even evil spirits supernatural things that we cannot control um recognize who jesus is um and jesus has power over them we like they before like that was the end like if there's an evil spirit like sorry you're ostracized you're out of here like Mm -hmm. there is no help or hope for you but jesus is showing that there is indeed help and hope um and through through him through love um so i feel like that's the whether that happened or not about literally evil spirits um 
this it's a, a vehicle for showing Jesus's love and mercy and grace. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean this this could go so many right. different ways. I mean it is a, a strange story. Um, I understand the uh, thought that this shows Jesus's power over evil, but mm-hmm. then my mind starts wandering around okay why is there this problem of evil right like why can't why is it because like if jesus has power over evil then i feel like he should have power to eradicate evil and mm-hmm. not just uh relocate evil mm-hmm. you know sure and so i it, it my mind starts buzzing about it and this is one of the things that i personally really struggle with and there are so i don't have the spiritual gift of faith mm-hmm. i am filled with doubts constantly and i mm-hmm. question everything at all times and so for these people in scriptural times that when you say this person has a demon, like there's really no questioning of it. Like there's not a question of do demons really exist? Like it's not, I can't see in scripture where it talks about like, this is where demons came from. Right. It's just, they're there. They're part of things. We get it. Like Mm -hmm. we're not going to question it. That person has a demon, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And so those are the kind of stories that I like to just skip over. Yeah. No. Cause (laughs) I'm like, okay, that doesn't relate to me. I don't, deal with demons regularly. Yeah. Yeah. And so like this story of Jesus with the demon pigs is often one that I'm just like, okay, I'll just like move past this where he starts teaching about love again, because this is a little too much for me to digest. I don't. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't have any questions to follow that up, but I'll just say this is one of the stories of Jesus that just kind of sits uneasy with me. Yeah. And like, ow. I just spilled my entire cup of coffee. <laughs> it's the demons. The demons. <laughs> cleaning up coffee. Alyssa's cleaning coffee. So what I was going to say <laughs> was it all all of the um stories where like you mentioned Jesus's communing with evil spirits mm-hmm. make me a little uneasy mm-hmm. uh, just because I don't I yeah. don't get it I don't so I yeah. just want to just move on to the next okay topic, to fair be honest. fair um okay spitting on blind people spitting on blind people that seems and I don't mean that as in like Oh, right. No, in a derogatory right. way, not spitting on blind people, right? But using spit. Yeah, I should clarify that using spit to heal, heal blind people. Yes. Why do you think that Jesus used spit as a method of healing? Uh, was there like symbolic or cultural significance to like saliva or, or anything like yeah. that? I really looked hard for this and I couldn't find anything about specifically spit or saliva um like when I looked it up it was spit only has negative connotations of like people spitting on people who they thought were unclean or anything like that so um I thought that was really interesting I was like wait I've never stopped to think about like that would this be an unclean thing that Jesus is doing or is it just like one more is it is it a practical thing of like, there's no water, so I need to make mud or get somehow like be, there needs to be something wet. I don't know. Um, so I don't know if it was a practical thing or if it was like a even more like intimate thing. I well, don't know. And when, well, I think I like uh, you bringing up like 
spit being unclean because it's another example like you meant we mentioned with the pig thing mm -hmm. of like maybe possibly an unclean setting or unclean means mm -hmm. God is still present yeah. in that. Yeah. yeah. But I also like you bringing up intimacy mm -hmm. of like, there is something extremely intimate about like using your own body mm -hmm. to heal yeah. others, which yeah. hello. Like right. That's, that's pretty kind cool. Of yeah. What Jesus kind of, did. kind of his big thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I also wonder, um, about like just the continuation of Jesus using unconventional ways mm -hmm. to interact and be in community with yeah. others. Draw attention. Um, but initially, this might make you laugh, when I was looking, thinking about the spit stuff and I didn't do a lot of research around it, but I was like, oh, well, maybe there's something positive about spit because in my big fat Greek wedding, <laughs> you like spit on a person to like wish them good luck and oh, good tidings. Yeah, and I don't know. So like, I just remember this scene with her like walking down the aisle at her wedding and everybody's spitting on her <laughs> to like... <laughs> Well, As that's a good omen. I mean, that's a valid thought. So I was like, so oh, well, maybe it's yeah, maybe there's something about it in their culture. I don't, I not that I could find, um, but um, I think it's also has something to do with like this kind of uh, two step healing sort of um, that it's like supposed to draw attention to like not that the first time it didn't take, um, but it's a, again, a very symbolic thing because this is actually like in any new Testament class that you would take, um, every professor would reckon like Mark is split into two is like, could be divided in half. And this is the story where is like the hinge hmm. of, from like, um, Jesus's teaching and miracles, um, and then to his journey, um, to Jerusalem. Um, so it's talk this this story of is highlighting like the spiritual blindness. Um, it's like okay, they can see in part. The disciples are kind of getting it, um, and then with one more step that um, when they they've like they've committed and they say like they they can start all of a sudden now they can see mm -hmm. um, because immediately after this literally like the next verses um, in Mark, uh, Peter is when Peter declares Jesus to be the Messiah because mm. they say, who do you say I, who do people say I am? And, um, and they're like, Oh, some think that you're John, something that you're Elijah and Peter or the, and Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Jesus, and he says, you are the Messiah. So it's like a very like back to back, very clearly, like this is Jesus trying to uh, demonstrate of like spiritual blindness to spiritual clarity. Yeah. And then also it, it is, it can't be attributed to anything else but Jesus. Yeah. You know, because yeah. like if he's using his own spit to do this, mm -hmm. then you can't say, oh, there was a healing agent in the water or there was That's something true. like That's true. That it's it's all within mm -hmm. him. Yeah, and yeah. so he's the one who brings this both spiritual and physical transformation about yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that one's not so weird, but I'm still but weirded it is out strange by spit. because no, none of the other ones he uses, like he heals a lot of people and right. never, and it's never like, again used. Eh. Yeah. He never licks his hand. Is like, let me get that for yeah. you. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's to draw attention to the difference of this, uh, this miracle. And it's like, um, in the John passage, it's, um, a slightly like 
um, involving the person in their miracle because he tells them to go wash mm. their face um, and then they are healed. So it's like that response, that response um, coming from the person of um, you get to participate in this. Um, you really want this healing. If you are willing to participate in it, like you have access to it kind of that Jesus will give you the first like o- kind of open the door and not that it's like a works uh based faith but of like a, just a response to it so anyway okay so the the very last one i want to cover if we mm-hmm. have time is where in mark chapter 4 mm-hmm. starting in verse 10 when Jesus explains why he teaches in parables. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read this one real quick, and then I'm going to ask a few questions because it, I don't like it. (laughs) It upsets me. Okay. Okay. So it says when they were alone, the people around Jesus, along with the 12 asked him about the parables. He said to them, the secret of God's kingdom has been given to you, Hmm. but to those who are outside, everything comes in parables. This is so they can look and see, but have no insight and they can hear, but not understand. Otherwise they might turn their lives around and be forgiven. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. Isn't that the point? Don't we want people to turn their lives around and be forgiven? But what it sounds like to me is Jesus is saying, oh, if I was too straightforward and I made it too easy, then everyone would get it. Mm. And we don't want everyone to get it. And so like, how am I? And I've read it in a a ton of different versions, like trying to figure out, okay, certainly I am misreading this. I tried to do some research on it. And like the research that I saw was saying, yeah, this is really confusing Mm -hmm. so like why because I always wonder of Jesus teaching in parables and stories like the answer I usually get is oh so it sticks with people so that you Mm -hmm. can apply it to like the way you live your life all of these things but it's like why couldn't he have just told us Mm -hmm. here are the things that you need to do to improve your relationship with God Mm -hmm. here is what God is looking for here's what it means to love other people more directly Mm -hmm. and this verse seems to be telling me because he doesn't want everyone to understand it Hmm. um no i can totally see why and how we can read it that way um one thing i'll say is that stories communicate more than a lecture um stories communicate more than like a series of statements um i can't explain how or why but like we all just know that like there's a reason like movies or books like take on meanings for different people um depending on what you know um, like what character you see in yourself or like somehow stories just communicate more. And that's what a parable is. Um, and also that, um, I guess the thing is that Jesus is kind of saying is like, I'm not, um, I'm not purpose it because it does make it seem like he's purposely trying to be vague. Um, but I think, um, he's kind of drawing attention to like, um, not everybody will get this. Um, you have to be in the right mindset to understand what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and y- you, your heart, you have to be willing to, um, to learn. And a lot of, I think the thing that Jesus was kind of uh, saying 
is that all, a lot of, or kind of drawing attention to these leaders, a lot of these leaders are not humble people. They think they know all these things and mm. people who think they know are not humble and they're not willing to learn. And Jesus is like, you have to be willing to learn from me. You have to, you can't be a prideful person and be in relationship with God because the only way to be in relationship with God is to know who God is and who you are and you are humble compared to God. So um, it's almost like Jesus is saying, I don't want to give you another list of legalisms right. to memorize, yes. to hold over people. Yeah. I want this to be something that you have to contemplate in yes. your heart yes. and sit with yeah. and wrestle with yeah. and examine yourself and have some self-awareness, right. Right. which I... I understand that. But what I struggle with is, man, it just leaves so much room for misinterpretation and false teachings Yes, because, and it, it, I know, I don't know if there would have, I can't say, oh, I have a better way than Jesus did it, you know, but it, it, I don't know. I, I struggle. No, I, it, it makes sense why you struggle. Like it's as lead a lot of it misinterpretation because but. the, like a lot of our faith is we want everyone to, to come in on it and we want everyone to get to experience Jesus's love and be a part of it. But it's, it's kind of like the same mentality within the, uh, addiction community of mm-hmm. like, you have to want to get better mm-hmm. to get better. Yeah. You have to want to yes. be in relationship. You have to want exactly. to learn and understand understand and while it's and Jesus is like the door is open for you like you are like so that's what like the parable to me is kind of like Jesus like I'm opening the door for you to understand you but you do have to take the step into it like Mm -hmm. um I'm not gonna force you so the the beautiful and terrible thing about free choice is that God allows us um if you know we as some of us ascribe to that God loves us enough that um, God is willing to risk us making mistakes and um, like getting hurt to um, allow us to choose God and to choose love. Um, well, I, know. I think that that's a good a note to end on yeah. and to have that mentality as we're wrestling with like all of the weird stories mm-hmm. of Jesus, all of the weird stories in the Bible mm-hmm. as a whole or yeah. stories we come across from other people's yeah. faith experience. It's all stuff that we are to contemplate and mm-hmm. reflect on and participate yes. in and yes. not something that we are just supposed to memorize and right. take at face value yes. and keep as right. a list of ways to be a Christian. Right. So I thank you, yeah. Gracie. Thanks for, for having me taking again. the time. And yeah. uh, I can't wait to have you back. Yeah. Thanks so much. The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org. And I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.